Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. Well, good morning. Good morning. It's good to see you all. Can we, uh, can we pray as we begin? Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for uh, the wonder and the joy of what we've been able to celebrate this morning. And Father, I pray that uh, you would fill us uh, again and continually with uh, that joy, the joy of being in your presence as we come to hear from you through your word this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, I wonder if just as we begin, we can uh, start by just uh, celebrating again uh, with uh, the uh, members of our family who were baptized this morning. Should we, should we celebrate just once more as we begin? Let's cheer. You know, it's no mistake that we are uh, looking at these uh, incredible verses this morning in the context of celebrating baptism uh, and of doing all that we've done in our service so far. Uh, Because baptism, yours that's happened uh, this morning, and uh, if you're here and you've been baptized, yours that happened whenever it happened, however many years ago that may have been, it is all to do with God's mercy. And God's mercy is what these verses that we just had read for us are all about. Because baptism is a sign and a celebration of God's mercy. It's a sign that points us back to the reality of of God's mercy to us. And it's a celebration now for, for you who have been baptized and for all of us as a church gathered together of that same mercy that we are experiencing and seeing spring up in our midst. You know, and to say that God has been merciful to us is to say that he's shown us kindness and forgiveness and love. It's to say that he saved us from our sin and our brokenness and that he set us on a path to wholeness and life. And that he's given us a family in the church. That's just something of what these guys were talking about as they shared why they were coming to be baptized to reaffirm those vows. It's the sense that God has set you on a path, given you a new life to live. And essentially, and what we get a sense of in those stories is that baptism is not an end. It's not the end of a story. We don't hold them down under the water. We bring them back up again. Baptism is the beginning of a story. And so it begs the question, If all we've just witnessed is the start of something new, well then what next? What now? What does it look like to go up out of the pool and dry yourself off and live a life as baptized people in light of God's mercy to us? How can our lives be different? Well, that's what Paul is talking about in these two short verses that we just had read for us. And he wants to tell us that in in view of God's mercy, we should offer our whole lives 
as worship to God. And that the way that we do that is by allowing our minds to be transformed by God's Spirit. So let's think about that and let's start with offering our whole lives as worship. Uh, When Paul in these verses says that we should offer our bodies, it's this that he means. You know, he's not trying to narrow it down in some weird way to just talking about our physicality, what we do with our flesh and blood, but he's saying that we should take all of who we are, every part of us, and offer it to God. I love the way that the message translation of the Bible puts this same verse. It says this. It says, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Take your everyday life, your whole life, Your life which includes going to school and going to work, living with your family and spending time with your friends. Your life which includes your private thoughts and your public mistakes, your Sunday worship and your Monday morning grind. Take all of it. Take every part of who you are and give it to God as an offering, as worship. That's what Paul is saying, is a life defined by worship, a life defined by love for God. You know, if you love someone, it's not enough just to tell them every so often. You know, I love my wife, but if the way that I expressed my love to her was I scheduled in once a week, let's say Sunday morning for an hour, just a little bit of time for me to tell her that I loved her. And I spent an hour every Sunday morning just saying over and over again that I love you and I love you and I think you're great and I love you. But then as we went into the rest of the week, that love for her didn't impact how I lived the rest of my life. You know, it didn't uh, show itself in how I spent time with her, how I spoke to her, how I looked to her for support and uh, tried to support her. If all it was was me telling her on a Sunday that I loved her, you could hardly say that that love was very real. You might look on at our marriage and be worried if that's all that my love looked like. Because love, we know this, don't we? Love should impact every single part of our lives and who we are and what we do. Love is more than just nice words and good intentions. Love is an ongoing act and decision and direction we set ourselves in. It's the same with our love for God, with our our worship. You and I, as people who have first received God's mercy, are invited to show him our love with our whole lives. To live lives that show that we care for him, A life that speaks well to him through our our words and our actions. A life of of gratitude for what we have received and that shows it through how we live and what we choose and the path that we take. We're to offer our whole lives as worship. And it's a wonderful idea. It's a great first verse, isn't it? But it's a difficult way to live. But Paul doesn't stop there. He doesn't just 
say what we should do, but he shows us how it's possible. And he goes on to tell us, verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, Paul says that that kind of whole life worship is so difficult for us because the context in which we find ourselves, the structures of evil that he calls the world, are trying to change the shape of our lives. And contort us into the shape that it has. It's trying to make us look less like people who have received God's mercy and are called to live as a result of that, and instead to look more like itself. And it does that slowly over time. Again, we know this, don't we, just by going through life. It's one small compromise, one small decision, one small lie. Slowly, slowly, over time, we take on the shape of something that we know is not most deeply and most truly who we are and who God has called us to be and which Paul says is the shape of the world. But he says if we want our lives to take on a different shape, then our minds need to be renewed and transformed by God, because Paul understands that where our mind goes, there our lives go. How we think defines how we act, defines who we become. And so our minds need to be transformed so that they think in the patterns of the kingdom of God and not with the patterns of the kingdom of this world. Then, Paul says, our lives will be good and pleasing and loving to God. But you know, this isn't just something we can will ourselves into. Again, if you've spent any time trying to be a Christian, you know this. You can't just decide, well, do you know what? I've had a good run, but now I'm going to transform my mind so that I live a life of worship. No, transformation is not something that we can force. But in many ways, it's something that we receive. It's something that happens to us. It's something that for the Christian happens to us because God does it. God transforms us by his spirit. And so we can ask for it, trusting that God wants to do this work in us. But we can also put ourselves in situations where we join in with the transforming work of the spirit and make our lives more conducive to being transformed. Uh, my, uh, my social media app of choice is Instagram, um, which I think makes me out of date. I think that's not the one that I should care about now, but Instagram is the one that I like. Uh, and if you know Instagram at all, you'll know that there's a, a part of the app called the Explore tab. And the Explore tab kind of curates the best of what Instagram has to offer that day into one place. It's not necessarily the people that you choose to follow, but it, it looks at who you are as a person and, and decides what stuff you might be interested in. And it does that through a, a very clever algorithm that I don't really understand that kind of looks at your personal information in a slightly creepy way, uh, but also uh, looks at how you interact with the app. And based on all of that information, it decides what you want to see and, and shows it to you. 
And you know, recently there was a, there's a movie that came out that I really want to go and see, but I haven't been able to go and see it in the cinema yet. Uh, but lots of other people have seen it, and so spoilers are starting to make their way onto the internet. Uh, and uh, Instagram knows me very well because it follows me and I use it too much. And so it started to show me spoilers for uh, this movie. And, and I'm, I'm a weak man, and I couldn't resist. And so I clicked into one of them. And Instagram knew that it had me then. And so all of a sudden, I cannot open Instagram without it showing me all of the spoilers for this movie that I still haven't been able to see. You know, I just made this one small decision, and suddenly it's this flood of information that I really don't want. But I have discovered there is a way to bring my Instagram back into order. And if I go into the Explore tab, uh, you can click in and tell it that you don't want it to show you stuff like this anymore. So I can kind of half look at my phone and half look away and, and go in. And, and slowly over time, if I choose to, I can get Instagram back into the shape I want it to take. One post at a time, I can go in and say, no, don't show me this. And slowly, over the course of a few days and maybe a week or so, I clearly have too much time if I actually care about what Instagram shows me in this way. But if I do it slowly over time, my Explore tab will become what I want it to be again which if you were wondering is mostly posts about Lord of the Rings and barbecuing. That's my sweet spot. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm looking for. I can do that with Instagram. And do you know what? We can do something similar with our lives. A transformation is very rarely these big flash-in-the-pan moments. It's small, slow, daily decisions. It's being steady and consistent and putting ourselves in the place where we can be more easily shaped by the Spirit. And if we do that daily, slowly, bit by bit, over time, perhaps even without us noticing, we will see our minds transformed as we make space for the Spirit to work in us. And you know, it's, it's stuff that if you spent any time around church, you know already, I'm not about to blow your mind with the revelation of how we do this. It's the daily habits of, of filling our minds with the word of God and fueling our souls with prayer conversations with him and building up our hearts through community with other believers who will encourage us and, and preparing our bodies by resting well and taking times to break and step away from work and just be with God. This is what it means to allow our minds to be transformed. And so as we step into our lives as the baptized followers of Jesus, those who have received God's mercy, it's these sorts of small, daily, seemingly insignificant decisions that will see our minds transformed and our lives turned into worship, turned into love for God. And so this morning, if you trust and follow Jesus, then this is the invitation. Let your life, your whole life, every part of it, even the bits that you don't think are that interesting, let your life be worship to God. It's a big vision, it's a big ask. But it's something that God, by his spirit, does in us as he transforms us, starting with our minds. And the amazing thing is we can join in. 
We're not just passive observers, but we get to step into the flow of the Spirit as we become the people that God has made us to be. So that is God's invitation to us this morning. I wonder if we could start this morning just by asking, by praying, by saying, God, would you come and transform me? And slowly, in the days and weeks and months and years and decades to come, make me more the sort of person whose life is worship. So shall we pray? Lord Jesus Christ, we are so grateful. God, we're so grateful for what you have done for us. God, thank you for these baptisms we've celebrated, these signs that have reminded us all that you have not left us as we are, but you came to save us and to set us free and to give us new life in you. And God, some of us, even now, are are, are sensing the prompt of your spirit to, in response to what you have done, make our lives worship. But God, we know we can't do it by ourselves. So I want to ask now that you would come in this place by your spirit, fall afresh on every person who longs for their lives to be a song to you. And God, would you begin the work of transforming our minds, transforming our lives, and making us more fully the people you have called us to be. God, we ask you to start this work, and we know you don't finish it as we finish praying. So God, continue this work in our lives. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.